This week's Fright Club podcast can be summed up in three words. Control, alt, delete. You know what that means. That means it's time to reboot. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we are from madwolf.com. And welcome in. This is the Fright Club podcast. And we're talking about reboots because of the news you probably heard about the reboot or sequel, we can't decide which, of Ghostbusters. And it's one of those things where for, they've been talking about this, kicking this around for years and years. And I think we've both been pretty much against it. Until we saw that they've decided to scrap everything you thought they were doing and completely recast with a, with a totally female cast. Yeah, if, if you haven't heard, it's uh, Kristen Wiig and... Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live and also uh, Leslie Jones, who I, I think we know most recently from Top 5. Yeah. And she was hilarious. The big friend. The big friend, yeah. and she was hilarious. She so, was hilarious. Anyway, they are the planned new Ghostbusters. And the other bit that I read was there's, there's a possibility they're trying to get Bill Murray to be in the movie, but as a completely different character. Yeah, he's not, not going to be Dr. Venkman. Yeah. If this is a whole other person, which would be comes awesome. to pass. Mm-hmm. What, what I read is they're trying to get him to be a character who's, who's doesn't believe in ghosts. So he's <laughs> totally a 180 from the last one, but who knows what will actually come to pass, but uh, they're planning. It looks like it's closer than it's ever been. So, since this is about horror movies and the Fright Club, we started thinking about our favorite reboots of classic horror movies. And I think we've got a good list here. I do, too. Uh, I think that it's it's so, so common uh, in horror to to remake movies. I mean, it's it's just rampant. And so often, usually, it's not very good. They don't do a very good job of it. And so we just wanted to boil it down to the five that we love the most. Yeah. And, and they're all solid, and they come from... Original movies that are also very solid. Yes. And and like you said, it's probably even more a surprise that they can make it, I think in some cases, as we'll talk about, even better mm-hmm. than the original. And uh, let's start out with one that was really as close to <laughs> the original as it could be because it was made shot for shot by the same writer-director, and that is... Michael Haneke with Funny Games. There's someone here. Hello. Sorry to disturb you. I'm staying next door. Please, come in. Wow, that's a really great set of clubs. Mr. Farber. What? Ah! We're going to make a bet now. You bet that you'll be alive tomorrow at 9 o'clock, and we bet that you'll be dead. Yeah, love this movie. Um, The original was in 1997, and then this is a little different because, as we said, the same writer-director decided to make it in English language, Mm -hmm. And do a shot-for-shot shot remake. Right. And it's it's uh, the original is in German, and it's a great movie. And I mean, it's a great movie. It's such an unsettling uh, concept. It's so well executed. But part of it is because Michael Haneke is just a genius. Um, he really is. He's, he's shown in his career that he can do just about anything, no matter the language, <laughs> no matter the genre. Right. He, he makes films in German, French, and English. Yeah. Um, he was most recently nominated for um, Amour. Amour. He was nominated for Best and Director. Then one of my best, favorite movies he won ever. Best the language White film. Ribbon. Oh my God, The oh. White Ribbon. What a great and movie. And that cachet. one's creepy. He, he, and a lot of his movies do have the creepy edge, but this is this one is a full-on horror movie, which is it, it, which is interesting. And if you're not familiar with it, um, a family, you know, a mom, a dad, a kid, they pack up their boat and they go to their vacation home in this, you know, little uh, gated community. On the lake, and as they're unpacking, getting ready for their vacation there, uh, knock at the door, and it's two teenage boys with white gloves on. Um, so, just to, just an FYI, should teenage boys come to your door in the summer wearing white gloves, don't lend them eggs. Well, um, but the key, the key really is, 
before they come to the door, they do have a chance meeting with them and, and with um, the next door neighbors, the next door neighbors. And so they that's the whole key. They see them at the door and they've already met them, even though when you watch the movie, that first meeting is creepy. Mm-hmm. You can tell something's up, mm-hmm. but the couple doesn't really think anything about it. So when they see these kids again, they are immediately put a little bit at ease because they've met them. They think they're okay. And once they let them into the house, they are not okay. And uh, the uh, the reboot was done uh, 10 years later in 2007. And it starred Naomi Watts mm-hmm. and Tim Roth as the couple. And then they have a young boy. And uh, the terrorists, or the killers, I guess you should say, Brady Corbett and Michael Pitt. And Michael Pitt. And uh, if you're familiar with either one of them, they're they're very good as these creepy guys. And so it goes along, and, and the boys... They keep pushing politeness and etiquette. Yeah. That's, and, that's really, I think, the whole movie is like uh, an exercise in making you uncomfortable because of the way that they, the Haneke is, is playing with social etiquette and, and mores and, you know, when is it okay to be rude? And it's, it's, it's just incredibly uncomfortable. It's so well done. And it's funny, we showed this, we showed uh, the remake in, in our, in our, our uh, movie series that we have at the Drexel Theater in Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, it, not a, lot, a lot of people don't care for this movie because it does make them uncomfortable. He's, the, the filmmaker is, is out to make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to make a pleasant movie. He is trying to, and, he's, and he toys with the, the genre itself in a way that only a genius really could. Um, yeah, very much so. And as the killer's psychos keep terrorizing them they keep setting it up as a game mm-hmm. as you as you heard in the clip we're going to play a game we're going to have a bet and they keep doing this until it gets more and more depraved and if you haven't seen the movie we're not going to give away the big twist but he really makes the audience look at themselves as to what part they play in this yeah. in this type of entertainment and and what they're expecting and it's really really a trick uh, not tricky, I should say, but it's clever. And and actually, for me, I had to really think about it, and I still think about it sometimes. Did, did he go too far? Hmm. There's a one scene in this movie that really will will cause a lot of conversation mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Um, as much of as great of a filmmaker as I think he is, sometimes when I do think about it, I go back and forth in my own mind. Like, no, you know what? That's that's too far, but maybe it's not. But it's so worth seeing both versions. Both versions are. And you know what? Another thing which you've said many times before, what he does with music in this movie is oh, just yeah. genius. It's so great. Yeah, because when they're orig- when they first are driving to the to the uh, summer home or the mm-hmm. vacation home, they've got some nice classical on in the and, in the car in the as car, they're driving, and then all of a sudden, just jarring, you get some German thrash, yeah, angry metal and boom he just puts the two big words funny games just all over the screen it just jars you yeah um and it's that's so effective and i think uh, you know an awful lot of the reason that the the film works whether it's the german or the english language version is the the kids that play the villains yeah uh arno frisch and frank Gehring are the the villains in the german and of course we already mentioned Pitt and corbett in the remake and they're just Perfect. They're just perfect. It's like this just sadistic boredom wafts from these kids. Like they've got everything in the world, these spoiled, bored adolescents. And so this is what they're driven to. And it's it's just brilliant. Yeah. And that's a theme that has been done in various movies, but it's done so well here. So can't recommend these enough. Both of them, really. Uh, If you have the stomach for watching them back to back. (laughs) Hey, party time. Uh, That's funny games from 97. 
and uh, 2007. And uh, oh, moving on to the next one, boy, I think this one is one of your favorites. It is, and it's funny because we're going to do two Romeros in a row. And I'm a huge, I'm a huge, huge George Romero fan. I mean, of course I am, right? Who isn't? Um, and I remember when they were going to remake Dawn of the Dead. I remember seeing like a behind the scenes ad for it. Uh, you know, maybe six months before I came out, and I was irate. I was irate. And then I saw the movie, and I was like. You know, I hate to say this out loud. I think I like it better. <laughs> so, from 2004, it's the reboot of Dawn of the Dead. Officials have declared a state of emergency. Everybody they kill gets up and kills. Residents are advised to find a safe place and stay there. Look up the road. There's a lot more of them. Why are they coming here? Maybe they're coming for us. Wow. I mean, from the word go, this remake is all over the place. And one of the things I want to say, one of the reasons I think this movie works so well, of course, it's directed by Zack Snyder, who would go on to make really popular films that I don't like. But I love this. <laughs> like 300. <laughs> Oh my God, the Watchmen. Anyway, oh. now we're going right, to upset not, people. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, and then it was written, the screenplay was written or was, you know, it was retooled from Romero's screenplay by James Gunn, who has done nothing but excellent films. He made Slither, which we love. And of course, he just wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, he's a genius. He's yeah, brilliant. Good stuff. So the two of them together, plus a great cast, Sarah Pauly, awesome. You know, who's Ving also Rames. a very good filmmaker. If, yes, if you she don't is. know, she has proven herself. To be a very, very effective director. But yes, yeah. she's one of the main actors in this. And and it's, I mean, in the opening sequence, you know, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those those sequences that you know is going to come. It's like we're driving into this suburban, happy, absolutely great. You got the little girl and roller skates next door. She's best buds with her, you know, and it's like, and then when it goes south, oh, it goes <laughs> with, and it's just, oh my God. And then it just sets up the, the entire film. It's just, it's so well done. And one of the reasons I think... There are several reasons where I'm going to just go ahead and say that the the remake is better than Romero's original. I'm not going to lie to you. I re I've always loved Romero's original. I, I love all of his dead films. That's not really true. I love the first three or four of his dead films. But it loses a lot of the social commentary. The effects are better, of course. You don't have the blue skin zombies in this one, which that, that was just, a, you know, his time. It was his first full-color zombie movie. And, you know, they just, it, it just... It was gory, but the, the blue of the makeup made the zombies look a little bit silly. It's shorter, which to me, if you make a two-and-a-half-hour horror movie, that's probably a problem. Mm. Um, and and uh, the action is better. It's funnier. But for me, one of the biggest things is that it took Romero a lot of years to be able to actually write a female character that didn't suck, that wasn't just weak and, and pathetic and he tries with Dawn of the Dead, the female, the blonde, the newscaster. She comes around to being a participant. But in this one with Sarah Polly, we finally find somebody who's like, no, this is how a human would actually act. Yeah. This is, you know, this is this is the way you would behave in the situation. She was great. Ving Rames was great. It does. As you said, it does. have Oh, the guy, uh, uh, Ty, Ty, Bur Ty Burrell, yeah. who's we're not really TV watchers, but he's recently become very uh, well known for Modern Family. Right. He's so, uh, so great he is in this. Good. He's you such just a douche. hate him. What a you weasel. You just hate him. But uh, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is very early on, after the outbreak breaks, and, and Sarah Polly's character is driven out of her house, running and screaming, and she just stands there and surveys her neighborhood. Yep. And when she went to bed, all was, you know, yeah. all fine in Brady Bunch land. And then the, the shot is from kind of behind her, her point of view, and it's a wide panoramic yeah. 
panning it, shot yeah, just, just pans of the carnage oh, yeah. that's going on now and the in her screaming neighborhood. Yeah. And the, oh my God, yeah, so I love good. that shot. It's so good. Love that shot. And, and the, you know, this is one of the first with the uh, zombies who could run. Yeah. And there's, you know what, there's a that. lot, there's a lot of complaints, zombie purists, you know, that they can't run. Um, they shouldn't be able to run. But let's be honest, they're scarier if they can run. This was a scarier yeah. zombie movie. Um, and as you said, it's also funny. Yeah. Uh, when they're, because they moved to the mall. You know, they take refuge of in course, the mall, yeah. mm-hmm. and then the, the zombies come come after them. And at one point, they make contact through signs with another survivor across the way in, like, a gun and ammo store. And they signal him to pick off certain zombies by how much they resemble certain celebrities. <laughs> so he's holding up a sign, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. Uh, it's got some cheek, you know, some cheeky fun there. But, and actually, uh, and the soundtrack is hilarious as well. It's oh, a yeah. really wickedly clever soundtrack that goes along yeah. with that movie. Um, it's a great one. It's a great one. It's the most fun of all of it is the. Fun. It's it's it is. It's absolutely and it's scary and it's tense. It's a great one, and I love that uh, the newscaster, the uh, the guy that they're watching on TV, is Ken Foray from the original. Yeah, the, easily the best actor nice in the original. Touch. Yeah, it was good. So uh, yeah, the original Dawn of the Dead, uh, 1978, and then the re the reboot. Another one that we featured a few months ago in our uh, Fright Club uh, right. live. Uh, live uh, event here was uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004. So, good ones. And uh, another one, I guess you wouldn't call it the, the next one we'll talk about, not really zombies, but in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, and you probably maybe missed the original, um, and hopefully you didn't miss the remake. We love this one, The Crazies. Would you mind taking a look at Bill? Sure, what's wrong? I don't know. He's just not right. She worries too much. I'm fine. You got any plans this weekend? She worries too much. I'm fine. Hey, Ben. How long has he been playing a statue? A couple hours now. Same look Rory gave me. All things wise and wonderful. We're in trouble. Is he dead? David, there's somebody outside. Now, this was one, I'll be honest, the original Crazies, 1973, I never saw it. And I remember when the re- reboot came out, and I went to see it. Honestly, I didn't have a whole lot of a lot of expectations, but I remember being so impressed by it. And then I mentioned that on Facebook, on the Facebook page. And one of my Facebook friends immediately was like, oh, you're kidding, right? Thinking, I, I was like, no, this is a very effective scary movie well really well done and uh and i enjoyed the heck out of it yeah i did see the original and um and it's you know it, it was uh it was very similar it's a george romero film and it's very similar in concept to any of his his um zombie movies except what happens is and this has become a uh, commonplace but in horror but it was not at the time the government has accidentally uh dropped a chemical into a small town's water system and the chemical, which is meant to be a biological weapon, those who are uh, exposed to it go mad. And one of the things that makes both versions of this movie so fascinating is that, you know, madness is very individual. You know, it's like it's not zombies all behave the same, but one crazy person is crazy in a completely separate way than other crazy people. Sometimes you're harmless. Other times you have a pitchfork and some surgical implements and you're not. And I think that Romero's version, uh, you know, it suffers. His ideas were so far ahead of their time, but he didn't have the money to really, you know, produce top quality films every time. Whereas, you know, uh, 
20 years later, 30 years later, they did. Uh, they have great talent in the reboot. Yes, uh, they do. Timothy Oliphant, uh, Rada Mitchell, both really, really good. Yeah, Timothy, Timothy Oliphant is just one of those, he's, he's one of those, in a sports analogy, just a, a very valuable utility player. Yeah, exactly. The guy can do anything. Mm-hmm. In little tiny roles, I remember he was in a movie, just god-awful movie called I Am Number Four a few years ago. <laughs> and for some reason, he was one of the dads. And wow, I remember seeing it. This movie is so bad, but you know what? He's always good, he is no matter always what good. it is. And he's, he's very good in this as the the, the town sheriff. Sheriff, yeah. yeah. And uh, again, this one got me right from the beginning because in, in the when the when the crazy uh, fever, whatever you call it, first breaks out, they're all at a Little League they game, are. and they just notice one of the townsfolk, and it's one of those cities, little towns, where everybody knows everybody, right. and they just point out to the outfield, and this crazy man is wandering in the outfield of a Little League game with a shotgun, and it starts from there, and that, I thought, was a really great way to, to get it going, and, and, and very well done. I like uh, the yeah, whole thing. I think so, too. One of the reasons I, that I, I like the, the second, the reboot, better is that um, they do make a lot more of crazy people you know um in the original he was he was more preoccupied with the military and what men will do if they're if they're ordered to do so and while there is a bit of that in the reboot first of all they trim the fat second of all they have better actors and third of all they do a lot more of exploring insanity and and you know what it's like when you're around people and what they might do to you and it just makes for a much creepier film um and it's much tenser and and they've just got some some really great scenes i can't go through a car wash anymore oh, without thinking that about that car, good wash one. Yeah, scene. The car wash oh yeah yeah that is, that is a real good one and then for i think for me at the end when they really wrap wrap it up mm. uh, that could have been a little more subtle for me um they they set it up for leaving you with the possibility of sequels that never came right um so maybe for me i don't know how that uh was in line with the original um, no, but, it was very different from the original, and it's funny too. That there's one, <laughs> there is one punch that they pulled for the remake that that uh, Romero was happy to land. Um, and if you have seen the original, you probably know what I'm talking about. There's one when they realize that this father and daughter are insane, that are they're infected. Those the who people were holed up in a in a farmhouse together, and they realize it it goes places you don't want it to go. Um, and they and and uh, and the remake they they didn't do that. It was mostly violence and crazy in that way. But but I, I wondered whether they were going to do it or they weren't going to do it. No, they didn't. And it's well, funny the seventies were a different time. They were a different time. <laughs> but this is another one where um, you know the first time they flirted that they were going to remake the crazies. Brad Anderson, the director Brad Anderson from Session Nine and The Machinist, he was attached to it. I was super excited. Oh yeah, I was super excited because I love him. Yeah, that's good. And then he dropped out, and Breck Eisner is actually the filmmaker who made it. Now, the only film I'd known of his prior to that was Sahara, with oh. Matt. I know Matthew McConaughey, one of the worst movies ever, just Ooh. horrible. And I was like, oh no, that we're doomed. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be like when they remade The Wolfman. This is going to be terrible. But he did a great job. It's a great. It's great. It's fun. It's a really fun, creepy, creepy horror movie. And it's another one where. I like the soundtrack. Mad World. It, yes, they, they remade the Mad down yeah, version very of Very creepy. I love of that. Mad World. Yeah. I forget. Uh, the original Mad World was Tears for Tears. Tears for Fears. And then somebody slowed it down. And I, and, and I forget. Apologies to whoever that was. And Very creepy. Yeah. You know what? Now we've seen that's kind of become a trend. It is. Uh, they take songs. Yeah. In fact, I just noticed in the new trailers for, speaking of movies that are going to be bad, um, Fifty Shades of Grey. They used a real. They use a real slowed down version of Beyonce's "Crazy in Love." Oh, and so a lot of a lot of movies do that now. So, 
Uh, apologies to any Fifty Shades of Grey fan. I don't know it's going to be horrible. I'm expecting it to be horrible. But uh, going on to the next reboot, boy, th- this is one of my just favorites, both of them, uh, from uh, 2008. And then only two years later, they rebooted it, 2010, Let Me In. You guys just moved in, huh? How do you know? I live next door to you. What happened there? Some kids from school. I'll help you. You're a girl. I'm a lot stronger than you think I am. What are you, really? I need blood to live. Love this so much. Love both of these so much. Um, If you don't know, the original of this was called Let the Right One In uh, from 2008. And and one of the things that made me at first dread it, the remake, was because it was only two years. Yeah. And I thought, what what are they going to do, you know? And I was so afraid that they were just going to botch it Mm -hmm. up. And, oh, man, did they not. This is one where I can't say one is better than the other. They're different in slight ways that I just love them both so much. Uh, I I can't really pick one or the other. But uh, it's about... A young girl vampire. Yeah, the um, uh, the original, which is Swedish, a Swedish film, uh, you know, sets it in in a really very icy climate, which to me was very effective, was really effective. And there, it's just a little boy. Uh, his parents are split. He's lonely. He's bullied at school. And then a little girl moves into his apartment complex and he wants to be her friend. And it turns out that she's a vampire, <laughs> which he doesn't know. And it's uh, on one level in, in, in both versions, it's a very sweet coming of age, blooming romance, friendship kind of film. It's very sweet. There's a very sweet core to it. One of the things that I like about the remake is that, so the girl lives with her quote dad. Um, and in the remake, it's the brilliant Richard Jenkins and he, he's not her dad. He's sort of her caretaker and it's his job to sort of find her victims because she's little and you know is is hampered by her ability to do that and you realize as the movie goes on that this is probably the role that the little boy in the original is called oscar uh and in the remake is played by cody smith mcphee whom i love yeah that's the role he will eventually take he's going to take on her so that's the let me in that she's got to find somebody else to be that person for her one of the things i like about the remake is that richard jenkins is awesome and what he does is is a, a there is a little more explicit in the remake. You get to see a little bit more of it. You get to see more of his conflict. You get to see more of the love he has for her. I'll not not to knock the original, um, but I think that character is more well developed and and sadder and and really well done in the in the second one. Yeah, and in the second one, the uh, girl is played like played by Chloe Grace Moretz, who's a, a gifted young actress. She's had a couple of, of missteps here lately. We don't want to talk about if I stay, but she's very, <laughs> she's very, very talented and she's very good in this. Very good. And, and as you said, it is, it's about coming of age and two outcast children who, you know, let's face it. There are kids they feel, you know, growing up, they have no friends or whatever. And then all children, uh, adolescents looking for a place to belong, looking for someone to care. And you have that, aspect of it and then you have the bloody aspect oh, of it. Oh yeah. And and I think that the remake is bloodier, really. Uh more more carnage and and that's one of the things 
that made me so disappointed that no one went to see it. Yeah, it, it made zero dollars. Didn't it come out about Halloween too? About in 2010, I, I think can't it remember. may have. And I remember thinking to myself, "What do you want? Yeah. Here we go. This is great. It's vampires. It's blood. It's carnage, and it's good. It's really, really good. It, it's, so well written, it's so well written. It's so well directed. So well acted. And if uh, Matt Reeves directed yeah, it. Who did Matt Cloverfield Reeves, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Right. Very so, talented. Yeah, very talented. And he he has shown that boy, he, you can take something and and keep a. A healthy respect for the original, uh, the original material, and if not improve on it, do it perfect justice mm-hmm. in, in a way that is so a little bit new, but but still retains the what made the, the original so good. I, I I love them both so much, and and in both, there's such a great climactic scene yeah. because part of it involves the young boy is being bullied, and of course now he finds out he has a friend who. Uh, can really help him in that regard. Yeah, and, and we don't want to give much away. No, no, no. But I, honestly, it is it is in in the in the you know annals of horror. It is one of the best climactic scenes in any horror film you're going to see. And it's, it's it was a deal where I thought that was one of the first things I thought when I heard about the remake is how are they going to handle that? And it's not exactly the same. He changes it a little bit, and both versions are great. Yeah. And so I can't as if you can't tell, we can't. Uh, recommend these enough oh yeah uh, let the right one in from 2008 and then the remake uh let me in from 2010 love them love them love them uh so let's uh finish up with one more and it was one that uh boy talk about not seeing a film how about one that i think everybody saw from 2002 and that's the ring because that's a videotape that kills you when you watch it you start to play it that's like somebody's nightmare and as soon as it's over, your phone rings. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. I watched the tape. This is the film that really brought the J-horror and eventually just Asian horror onslaught. After this, after this movie came out, Hollywood remade every Asian horror film they could get their hands on, and and to some of them to, to good effect, and most of them not. But um, it was because Gore Verbinski's The Ring, honestly, was a better movie than the original Ringu, the Ringu Japanese film Ringu. in 1998. Uh, it was it re- when I because I did hadn't seen Ringu, uh, but then I went back and saw it after The Ring, and I thought, well, The Ring is just better. It is all just the way better. around. It, just, it is. And what's funny to think of now. As creepy and scary as it is, it was not rated R. No, no, it was PG thirteen. We were, and then if you if you look at it, it's because there's very little blood. There's no foul language. You know, there's it. But on the other, it is such an effective creepy movie. It really is. And to me, and I actually wrote a piece about this for ScreenRelish.com a few months ago, was that it all comes down to the fact that the actual tape itself, because you probably know the story by now. There's this super creepy uh, videotape. If you watch it. As you heard in the trailer there, you have seven days, you're going to die. And it all hinges for me on the fact that you got to show us that video, and it has to be creepy. It has to deliver the goods, and it does. I love the video. It's just random images creepy of creepy stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it's so well done. You think to yourself after you see it, well, yeah, you could that could mess you up if you watch this this tape. So that that's how it started. But then it was paced well. It was acted well. It was it was super creepy without, as you say, a bunch of blood. Uh, but you know, the girl with the hair in her face. And, oh my god! And the horse scene on the, the ferry. Yeah. 
Oh my God! So many things about this film were so well done, and the film. The, for, for, I don't know why exactly, but the scene that always sticks out in my head is when she goes back to Brian Cox's house because she's trying to find evidence, and and they happen to live on an island, so there is a lighthouse, and she's in the dark, and you just see the light swing through the house, go away, swing through the house, go away, and then swing through your house. There's Brian Cox, go yeah. away. Oh my God, where's Brian Cox? <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. it's it's Gore Verbinski who has gone on to do great things, bad things, whatever. He does such a great job with this movie. And the Samara, the little cherubic, adorable Samara mm-hmm. plus. And for those of you who don't know, the thing that comes out of the well that is creepy Samara, it's actually a full-grown man. That's why he looks so creepy. <laughs> yeah. But it's effective. Their faces, when you find the victims, oh, their fa- yeah. everything about this movie is so fun yep. and creepy and great. Right. And, and that just shows you how effective you can be without being overtly bloody. I mean... You know, we were just got done talking about a movie that was very bloody, and I loved it. Oh, yeah. But you don't have to. No. As, like we said, this was not even rated R, and it some delivers some big-time creepy scares. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is so what, if you're looking for one to share with your children, <laughs> <laughs> legally, you can show them this yes, movie. Yes, <laughs> you can. The disappointing thing about this is it spawned a sequel that was awful. Well, and they're, they're doing a reboot next year. Okay, then. Well... Rings, it's called. All right, well, yeah. I think if we've learned anything in talking with these, let's hold out our... You know our opinion of what can be can be achieved because in the right hands, that's right. You can do it. It just depends on who's who's the talent behind it. So maybe, yeah. But this is one where we'd say you don't have to see the original. I mean, if you want to, for, for yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I dislike it. I don't. But but uh, the it's just like uh, the the other the best of the remakes here. They trim the fat. They get rid of uh, yeah. of unnecessary additional information, and they really streamline into a creepy, effective film. Yeah, so that's uh, that's The Ring, and that's Control-Alt-Delete. That's uh, five of our favorite <laughs> reboots. But you know what? Maybe we missed one. Maybe we missed a couple. What? Maybe you think uh, some of these aren't good. Let us know. We love to get your feedback. The, uh, the Golden Spiral Media feedback line, always open for you. That's 304-837-2278. Or, you know what? You can just go to the, the website, goldenspiralmedia.com, go to the slash feedback, and then you can just try out to submit a feedback response there. There's a pre-recorded audio file, and use the SpeakPipe widget to record uh, the contribution. It comes right to us. We would love to hear from you. We will yeah. definitely bring you on next week's episode <laughs> and talk about what you had to say. Yeah, and hit us up on Twitter, too, because we always love to keep the conversation going there, and that is at uh, MadWolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And uh, we... We have a lot of fun with that as well. So uh, it's Fright Club, the podcast, your five or our five top reboots. Yeah, and tune in next week. We're going to talk about the best Valentine's horror movies. A little romance in Uh, the air. uh, Until then, stay frightful, my friends.